You are listening to the MZBC Students Greenhouse Podcast. For more information about Mount Zion Baptist Church, go to mzbc.net slash students or follow us on Twitter and Instagram at MZBC Students. Joel. No, I'm just kidding. We're in James. We're in James. Uh, we're in James. Uh, so James chapter 2, starting in verse 20. Like I said, we're probably not, we're not, definitely not, because we haven't so far. Uh, Going to go verse by verse by verse, but we're, we're pulling out some of the main points. Somebody's Chick-fil-A cup rolling up front. Hey, it's Jesus chicken. It's allowed to be up front. It's all right. Um, all right, James Chapter 2, verse 20, and we're going to go through 24. Let me read, uh, and then I'll kind of explain the lay of the land for the night. Here we go. James 2, 20. Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? Useless. Can't speak tonight or read, apparently. Um, Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? You see, uh, you see, that faith was active along with his works, and faith was completed by his works. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness, and he was called a friend of God. Verse 24, you see that a person is justified by his works and not by faith alone. So James, kind of like Paul, tends to, to use these sort of like logical progressions uh, uh, statements here, but uh, the message tonight, Big Bichet's man, he wears his sunglasses at night apparently, uh, there's a song about that somewhere, anyway, I get distracted pretty easily, kind of like squirrel moment for me, uh, so the message tonight, I'm going to give you like a quick little mini message on something I think is really important, that's why we're going to stop, pause and talk about it, and then we're going to jump back to our faith talk, uh, and these are, these are slightly re- related, uh, but not fully, so verse 24, James says, you see uh, that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. Now everybody turn over to Romans chapter 3. Book of Romans chapter 3, verse 28. It's a different writer. This is Paul writing. We were reading James a second ago. Reading Paul now. Romans 3, verse 28. For we hold that one is justified by faith apart from works of law. Wait a second. So James says the person is justified by works and not by faith alone. And then Paul says, for we hold that one is justified by faith apart from works of law. Does that kind of seem like a contradiction? So like James is saying that we're justified by our, by our works and our faith. And then Paul's saying, that we're justified by, justified by faith alone, not, not works at all. At first, that kind of seems like a contradiction, right? Like they're kind of saying two different things. We're, they're both talking about, you know, the gospel, about faith, about salvation, how we, how we get salvation. But they're actually both saying, or they both, they both would agree uh, about salvation. And these, and these are not actually contradictions. Let me explain. And this, is, this is why it's important. This, this is one of those points um, that people who are trying to disprove Christianity, they talk about the Bible having inconsistencies and contradictions and things. Um, 
this is a place that some would say is a contradiction. Remember, I, I sort of over and over and over again, those who uh, have been here more than like once probably uh, have heard me talk about all the time uh, that context is important, right? That words have meaning from their context. This is the same situation. They use similar words, faith and works, but the way they use those words differ. So Paul is talking to an audience. You notice that Paul says, uh, we're justified by faith and not by works of the law. He's talking to an audience um, that was that leaned real heavily to legalism, which was uh, felt that they had to fall, they still had to earn their way to heaven, that they had to obey the laws of the Old Testament to appease God, to to be right with God. And so Paul's fighting against that, saying, No, 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 no. The faith that you have in Jesus, that's what saves you. you the works that you do, the commandments that you follow. They don't get you to heaven. They don't get you really any closer to God. It's the faith that you have is what saves you. James, he's talking to a different crowd who tends to lean toward the lazy Christian or even fake Christian side of things where they say, they say oh, I've got faith in Jesus. That's all I need. I don't have to do anything else. I, I believe in him. I don't really have to do anything. I can just show up to church on Sunday, uh, sing a song to Jesus, listen to what the pastor has to say, sort of, maybe pass out a little bit. Uh, and then go home, and I'm good. And James is saying, no, 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 no. Real faith, remember we've talked about this the last couple of weeks, those who've been here, real faith leads to action. There should be action that comes from a real faith. Real salvation, real belief in God leads to action. And so Paul would agree with James, and James would agree with Paul. The words that they use here are the same, but their contexts are different. I know you're, you're like, why are we in Romans and we're talking about James, JJ? This is kind of weird. I just thought it was important that you guys realize that this is not a contradiction in Scripture. There are a lot of times uh, those trying to disprove Christianity come around and try, and, and the basis of our, our faith in Jesus is trusting the Word of God, and so we need to make sure we trust the Word of God, right? So I come across this as a contradiction. I want to show you guys that it's not at all. Paul and James are talking about the same thing, but in two different types of context. So it is faith that saves us. James agrees with that. That's what Paul's saying. But James, and Paul would agree with this too, he says in other places, that faith, real faith, leads to a real life changed that leads to action. And action, remember we've talked the last couple of weeks, what are, what are a couple of the actions that we've talked about that faith leads to? Yeah. Love, yeah, where we care for those uh, who are in need. There was uh, two weeks ago we talked about obedience, right? That um, the act of obedience, obeying what God tells us to do, uh, is, is something that comes out of a real faith, a real saving faith in Jesus. So the, true, the, the two truths out of this little mini message um, is that salvation is through faith. It's, it's the faith that we have in Jesus that brings us salvation. However, true salvation, true faith in Jesus leads to action. James says uh, over and over again, he actually, does he say it right here? Just before that, he talks about faith without works is dead. So, let's put it this way. If I'm, imagine that I'm up here, I'm dead, I'm laying in a casket, what do I, what do, I do? 
I, I don't do anything, right? I just lay here uh, because I'm dead. Dead people don't do anything in real life. In movies, they do crazy things. But in real life, dead people don't do anything. They're empty vessels, right? James is saying the same thing about our faith. If it doesn't lead to action, if your faith is still and not moving and not doing anything, it's dead. It's pointless. It's empty. It's dead. And so salvation is rooted in faith, and real faith leads to works. Now, let's dive into this passage, the rest of this passage. So verse 24, um, we kind of have a better understanding of what he's talking about there, especially in comparison to what uh, Paul is saying. And so we've talked about faith leads to obedience, faith leads to love, and tonight we're talking about faith leads to sacrifice. Faith sacrifices. That's the, the key phrase for tonight. Faith sacrifices. Um, so there are two two different views of faith. I kind of talked about the, that just for just a second, uh, a second ago, just a second, a second ago, kind of weird words there. Anyway, uh, two pictures of faith that are given here, a living faith and a dead faith. A dead faith leads to nothing. There are no works. There's no action. There's nothing actionable about that at all. But then there's a living faith that leads to action. That's loving and caring for those in, in need. Uh, that's obedience. It's sacrifice. Uh, and so James has, has given us two pictures uh, of faith in here, but then he also gives us, uh, or between between James and Paul, I'm going to stick with this comparison a little bit. So the Romans passage talks about the word works, right? This passage talks about the word works, and James talk, uses the word works, I think, 15 or so times in these five chapters. Um, this is where that context is important, okay? So the word works is the same word in both places, but their connotations are different. The works that Paul's talking about, the works of the law, are negative. He's, he's using works in a negative sense. And so what he's talking about is the, the works that he's talking about are ones that, that, are, that come out of selfishness, that come out of self-motivation. These people were trying, they were doing good things. They were going to church. They were reading their Bible. They were showing up at Greenhouse. No, just kidding, Greenhouse didn't exist then. But they were showing up uh, and, and doing Christian things, but they were doing that to check it off the list, or to try and earn their way to God, to, to have other people around them think that they were holy and righteous and all these things. It was all self-motivated. So that's why Paul talks about works in this negative, in negative way. He's talking about self-motivated works. And then James, he talks about works in this sort of positive light, um, and he's talking about works that lead to glorifying God and loving others. There, there are lots of, well, there, there are a few, I firmly believe, key phrases that you could take all of the Bible, all of, all of Christendom, uh, that's Christianity, right? That's just some fancy way of saying it. You could boil all of it down to some key phrases. It's, it's sort of oversimplifying, but they really hit what's, what's most important. So the first, you know, one of the first things is that Jesus is the only way to salvation. Jesus is the only only way to salvation. That's a key, fundamental, all of Scripture points toward Christ. Um, Jesus is the way of salvation. The Bible can be boiled down to that. Another, another key thought that all of Scripture, in my opinion, uh, can be boiled down to 
is that the intentions of your heart are what's most important. All over Scripture, there are stories uh, of people in Scripture, and then over and over and over again, uh, teachers uh, in Scripture like Paul and James talk about the motivations of our hearts. And that's what James and Paul are talking about here. The works that we do, showing up at Greenhouse, showing up at First Priority, doing whatever, being on leadership of this and that, uh, all these things, the motivation behind those is what's most important, not the act itself. Now, obviously, helping someone who's in need is important, but to God, your motivation behind doing that is as equally important. Doing a good thing out of selfish motivation is still selfish in God's eyes. Does that make sense? This means yes? This means I'm asleep, right? Half of you? That's all right. Uh, So, Two pictures uh, of works there. One's negative, it's self-motivated. The other is positive, and it's about loving others and loving God and glorifying God. Then he goes on uh, in this passage, and he gives us an example of a solid life lived in faith toward God that leads to action. Abraham. How many of you guys have heard of Abraham? Yeah, Yeah. most of you. Yeah, there's like a whole song about him. But some people, you know, don't go to church their whole life. Some people weren't born in church. It's all right. Um, so this story he talks about, a lot of, again, a lot of you have probably heard this, but I'm going I'm to share it anyway because it's a really cool story, uh, and I don't think you can be reminded of biblical stories enough. Uh, so Abraham has been prom- had been promised from God that he was going to have a son. In this time, and I think still in a lot of cultures in our time, and I would guess, or I would say it's probably more important in our American culture than we would care to admit, but it, especially in Abraham's time, it was really important that you had a son. A son was the one that would, that would get all your legacy, basically, all of the, everything that you had built in life, uh, the, the family name you had built, all the property you had amassed, all that kind of stuff would pass on to the son in the next generation, next generation. Well, Abraham had not had a son. God promised him one uh, and said that you would actually, your, your descendants would actually be uncountable, uncalculable, right? But decades go by, right? Decades 10, right? 10 years Decades, decade after decade after decade after decade, all these years go by, and God's going, I mean, Abraham's going, hey, God, you promised me a son. Getting kind of old. My wife's almost 100 years old. Even in that time, people, like, lived past 100 years old, uh, but it wasn't, uh, it wasn't very common at all for a woman almost 100 to have a baby. Just, that just wasn't a thing, right? And so he's like, hey, uh, so just in case you're wondering, we're getting kind of old to have a kid here, so what's happening? This is JJ's version of the story. This is not actually... I mean, this is how it all went, but not the actual dialogue here. Um, either, but either way, Abraham stayed faithful mostly. There was one, like, weird moment where he decided to have a son by one of his female slaves or whatever, and that was kind of weird. And God was like, no, that's not your heir. Um, this is going to be legitimate. Eventually, Abraham's wife, Sarah, has a son. And so they're real excited. This, uh, this gift from God Uh, this promise fulfilled that Abraham had been, and Sarah had been waiting for for years. Years. And then God, listen, this is important. Everybody looking up here. God says, hey, I want you to take your son Isaac and sacrifice him. I want you to kill him. Imagine, I want you guys, 
Everybody, everybody close your eyes. Yeah, it's rain. We've all heard rain before. All right, everybody, uh, everybody close your eyes. Everybody close your eyes. Now picture in your mind, it's okay what it is. I'm not going to make fun of, of you. I might a little. Uh, but what is most valuable in your life? A person, a thing, an activity. What's most important in your life? Besides Jesus, hopefully it's Jesus. But besides Jesus, what's most important in your life? No, don't, don't talk out loud. Just, you, you, everybody got a picture in your mind? Now imagine God says you can no longer have that thing. You can no longer be with that person. You can no longer participate in that activity. You have to give it away. Everybody look it up. That'd be kind of hard, wouldn't it? It'd be kind of hard. So Abraham obviously struggles with this a little bit. But Abraham, having true faith and trust in God says, all right, God. This is what you said I've got to do. I've got to do it. And so he and his son and a couple of slaves pack up this donkey and go to this mountain that he was supposed to go to uh, and build an altar. He and his son climb up and build this altar. And and Abraham is just about, like he's got the knife and he's just about to, to stab his son to kill him, sacrifice. Remember, sacrifice was in Abraham's day was like a big way uh, to cover for sins and, and that sort of deal uh, until Jesus came along and was the final sacrifice, and that's why we don't sacrifice animals anymore because Jesus was the final and perfect sacrifice. Um, so anyway, he's just about to sacrifice, murder, uh, his son, and all of a sudden God says, hey, stop. And then a ram, uh, a ram shows up in the bushes, and they're able to get this ram and he's able to sacrifice the ram instead of his son. Our faith and trust in God, our obedience to God, should be above all. Jesus, uh, in one of the gospels, I think it's Luke, he says it in a couple of the gospels. Jesus says, compared to our relationship with God, we should hate everything else. He uses a strong word there, and it's this really sort of like weird passage because he says, anyone who follows me should hate his mother and his father, his brother, sister, everybody should hate everyone and everything and follow me. Now, what he's saying is, obviously, don't like go home and be a jerk to your parents. Um, that's not what he's talking about. It's a comparison. He's saying, you should, you should be so in love with Jesus and have so much faith and trust in him that if he calls you to move away from whatever it is that's most valuable in your life, your family, whatever sport you're a part of, or any of those sorts of things, if he calls you to move away from that, you should be willing to do it. It's not easy. I'm not saying you're like, oh, okay. I mean, it's, it's not easy, okay? But our trust and faith in God should be so big that we're willing to sacrifice anything to follow him and do what he calls us to do. Because ultimately, we know that God, or hopefully you know, Hopefully God is, is showing you that he's trustworthy and that if he calls you to do something, it's ultimately to glorify him and it's for your best, it's for your best interest, even though it may not be easy, even though it may even be a little weird at points. In the end, it's always good. And that's what Abraham knew. He's like, God, you promised me a son and you promised me a lineage uh, and so I'm going to live in that promise even though my only my only son, you're telling me to kill. I'm going to trust that you're going to provide some other, other way here. And God did. God came through. And so this is, this is 
the example of real faith that we're given in this passage is Abraham, a guy who was willing to sacrifice something that he had waited so long for because he trusted God so much. I'm actually wrapping up early. I'd intended uh, this message not to be very long because I wanted one of the points to stick. And the longer I talk, the more you forget. Um, so is your, is your faith real? Are you willing to give up big things for God? It's not an easy question to answer. Uh, and even a lot of us uh, would probably say, yeah, yeah, I am. And then when the moment comes, you're like, ah, I don't know. And that's not a knock on you. I, mean, I think that's probably pretty natural uh, for most people. But is your faith real? The first question that should we ask really is, is your faith real in that are you actually a Christian? Are you in relationship with God? Have you put your faith and trust and whole heart in God? That's the first question that should be answered. Um, if you have questions about that, any of the adult leaders in the room, myself, uh, or any of your Christian friends, um, you should go and, and talk to them and ask them questions. Uh, I think on the other side of this, you know, we talked about Paul and James' uh, view here, uh, perspective of works and faith. I think in today's culture, we actually battle both of, of what, and I think we all struggle with both of what Paul and James are talking about. I think we all have a tendency to think, oh, I'm good with God because I'm reading, I'm doing like the, the reading plan that the student ministry puts out, or I'm studying my Bible every day, or most every day, okay, okay well, like twice a week. Um, but I, I do that, so I'm good with God. Again, it's that motivation of the heart. Is it, are you trying to earn your way into good graces with God, or are you doing that because you love God and you want to spend time learning about Him? And the other side of that, I think we tend to be lazy about our faith, and I'm guilty of that uh, way more often than I would care to admit. Just, just lazy. It's not that I don't love Jesus. It's just that I let things around me uh, and my circumstances distract me from really spending time with God. So first, are you a Christian? And if you're a Christian, is your faith living and active, or at the moment, or is it dead? sounding too silly. Do we need to do CPR on your faith? Like, do we need to revitalize your faith to a point that it's actually active and that people around you know that you're a Christian other than, like, you wear a shirt that says Greenhouse, and they're like, what does that mean? Um, you're like, oh, it's the church I go to. Um, beyond that, does your life show actionable faith? Let me pray, and we're going to respond. Father, as we move into time of conversation, help us all to be honest uh, and focused. Not necessarily talking about the silliness uh, of our day or any of that sort of deal, but focused in on trying to, to really apply what we've heard from your word tonight. Help us to walk away from here with real active faith that seeks to love and glorify you. Christ, I pray. Amen. Remember, try not to step on the cable, if at all possible, because it will scare the poop out of everyone.